pandemic with my guitar playing was like, I want to be good enough that I can try out stuff at Guitar Stone. Okay. You know, like, like I actually even like Googled, like, what are those things people play at Guitar Center when, when they're like, hey, can I try that amp out? Right. And what were, what were the results for that? It was a bunch of learn how to play like Slash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That's great. And you know what? They're not wrong. Yeah. I remember as a kid, I mean, because like when I started playing guitar, it was in the 90s. Yeah. So Slash was already established God. And yes. so it's like, yeah, I guess my whole entire guitar life, when I walked in, there's always one person that can play like Slash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My uh, first two bands in uh, Hollywood, that's all the guys wanted. It was like 2005. Yeah. It, Slash was the end all be all, you know. Which is crazy because it's we've had a hundred years of electric guitar. Yeah. And we're still celebrating that one guy above all the other ones <laughs> just because he looks like a guitar. Yeah. Yeah. It's no image has a huge thing to do, you know, uh, yeah. but I guess he had a definitive sound. I mean, in terms of, I mean, I guess he's been imitated so many times that now it's almost like you take it for granted, but like, I guess at the time, those other metal bands weren't really rock and roll. They were more like, wow, metal, you know what I mean? And it mm -hmm. was, Slash was a little bit more of a return to like something a little bit more groovy and just cool and, you know, yeah. Oh, I broke down even further than that. Okay. Is it Slash. <laughs> Slash has taken like the three biggest Led Zeppelin guitar solos and just made that his sound. Got it. Got it. Sure. So, sure. yeah, the beginning part of Stairway is like, wow, day by day by day by day by day is what he does in the middle of his like he just found ways to put jimmy page in his own different got it yeah pentatonic scale yeah which yeah i love it's been great. yeah 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 no it's it works it works you see you, when you brought that up i'm like oh that does make sense but it's not the first thing i thought of so you know he put his own little twist on it obviously that's because i went from slash to jimmy page because that's probably the guy the two guitar players I love the most, Jimmy Page and Prince. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when you start at Slash and move your way back, it's mostly, you're like, oh, Slash was just copying Jimmy Page in yeah. a different era. Yeah, yeah. Big time. Big time. Man, yeah. Uh, did you see Prince when he played all those shows in 2011? I moved here in 2011 and did I not. Oh, okay. I <laughs> but I did see him twice in my life. So oh, I, yeah, yeah, I do regret not seeing him at the forum. I did see him in Vegas twice in two different circumstances. That's great. Well, oh, dude, once the first time was there was a Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder only plays one concert a year. Yeah, he's gotten old, and so he just does one big benefit, the Stevie Wonder benefit in Vegas every year. And every year, there's like huge surprise guests, and there's things. And so Stevie Wonder's just playing. He's playing like Master Blaster or something, or and then a little guy with a Telecaster comes walking onto the stage. Yeah. And I was there by myself and there was like a 50 year old, like black lady that was also there by herself. And we talked before the show. Cause she was like, I was going to choose this or Nelly. And I was like, what? No, you choose Stevie wonder over Nelly every time. <laughs> oh and then when Prince came out, because we like developed a little bit of a friendship, we both like grabbed each other by the shoulders. Like two strangers, like <laughs> Prince, it's fucking Prince. <laughs> and he didn't sing at all that day. He just played guitar and like three songs and left. 
but nice. oh my god you know yeah. like he's the best he's the best guitar player i'll ever see in my life oh okay yeah man he played quite a bit of guitar when i saw him at the forum and uh yeah he was silky smooth bro <laughs> well yeah well that's why i went off and, went and made sure to see a full concert of his to be like I didn't realize I always knew he was a good guitar player, but watching him live, you're like, Oh no, this is the best one I'm going to ever be able to see. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's, yeah, it's true. And it's funny. It is. It's not the first thing that you think of when you think of Prince, you know, but he, he was no. pretty outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to ask you, cause this has all been about me so far. So you, Joe, yes, you've done a lot of music, been in many bands. You've seen yeah. many shows. Any big bands you saw before they made it? Like, oh man, no, no, no. I mean, I'm that's my weakest area of music. I'm not a big concert goer. You know, I, I don't. I mean, but you didn't even play a, you never played a show with a band that just happened to just all of a sudden do things. No, you know, Imagine Dragons was in the scene at the same Mm -hmm. time that like I was playing, but we never, we never played with them. I mean. You know, fuck, I'm, that's a great question. And I wish I had a, a better answer for you. I mean, I've played shows with some like washed up bands uh, that you <laughs> remember. <laughs> I mean, it was the opposite of what you're talking about. They got famous, then they got less famous, and then they played with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not so much the other way. I mean, I, I wish I had because, you know, when you come up with people that are making moves and getting traction, then you, you know, then sometimes that rubs off on you or you get, you know, to open for them or whatever, just like in comedy, you know, but it's yeah, it's never anything like that. Like we would end but up even like, on the other side of it. It's just like, oh, no, this is great that this happened. Like, so I'm from Tucson. So we yeah. got a lot of bands coming before they make it and we never see them again once they make it. Like, right. that's what we get. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But it's also like time and time again, you get these stories like my friend. I was going through a CD book and I'm like, why do you have a John Mayer like demo CD that he's like handwritten on? And he was like, don't you remember when we were at that hamburger restaurant? And there was that guy playing guitar in the corner and I talked to him afterwards. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, that was John Mayer and he handed me the demo with oh. his name on it. <laughs> That's insane, dude. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but I asked that question 15 years later. He was like, you were there. You also right. met John Mayer. And I was like, I have zero memory of John Mayer. Good for that guy to hold on to the thing for so long. That's amazing. Well, because yeah. he ended up buying his next couple of records because he was like, I liked that guy's playing. Yeah. He's yeah. another secretly great guitar player. And oh, so, yeah. I mean, the secret's out now, but at the time it wasn't. That's true. You know, because, yeah, those guys are good vocalists and they write good songs, you know, him and Prince. My first roommate in L.A. loved John Mayer and he always talked about his guitar playing and everything. So I was privy to that. Uh, but uh, But yeah, it's not like girls are worshiping him as a guitar god it's definitely as john mayer the songwriter or the you know the guy or whatever you know um but yeah but then he has that thing for the the guys too he can fucking rip you know it's pretty cool but like we like just for an example is like seven mary three like we played with them uh Mm -hmm. you know like opening for these guys yeah Uh, you know a lot you know, but after that, they, they had declined. Uh, I guess, in a sense, we did a, we opened a lot for Steel Panther at the House of Blues and stuff. And that was, even though they were super fucking old, they became probably the most famous band that we ever op- opened for consistently, you know. For sure. Oh, they yeah, count. Yeah. They, they put count. on a great I, show. 
Dude, that... no, when I saw Steel Panther the first time, because, you know, they do so many covers. Yeah. I mean, oh. they're essentially covering everything, but then they also, like, mix in, like, their own originals. Oh, Yo, like, the hey, originals are great. I love them. Exactly. Yeah. No, so I'm saying, so I don't want to call them a cover band because of that. They're doing the no, other work, not. too. Yeah, they, they might have been the genus, but they, they have yeah, Asian Hooker. It's a great song. <laughs> <laughs> like, when I saw them the first time, I was like, Hey, they're not faking this. Like cover bands are faking this and they're not faking this at all. No, no, they own it. I mean, they're so good. Their show is so funny. If whoever's watching this hasn't seen Steel Panther, treat yourself. They have a new bass player. That was like big news a couple of weeks ago. But uh, uh, yeah, they're just so good. Where did you see him, Aaron? Did you see him at the Key Club or at the House of Blues? I saw them in Tucson, Arizona. Oh, okay. Got it. At a weird honky tonk bar on the east side. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I want to say it was called Neon Moon. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they would play there like, I forget if it was every other week or if it was once a month, but we all knew when they were coming in the town. And there was just, exactly. And then there's like, hey, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to go see Steel Panther. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Me too. Oh, dude. You know, I would rather see them sing Bon Jovi than Bon Jovi sing Bon Jovi at this point. You know what I mean? because it's just there they do it so well and it's just like i don't know they captured the energy of the 80s in their performance and it's like i don't yeah. want to see the actual band play it as 60 year old men in nostalgia <laughs> i you know i want to see the band that plays it like it's 1984 you know what i mean and that's how they play it you know no you're totally right they <laughs> completely they've captured the energy but they like they nail every part of it. It's not like oh, yeah. they're like, <laughs> they're so good. It's not just though they've captured the energy and you feel like there's groupies here. It's also like they're playing their asses off. <laughs> it's really impressive. It's so yeah. impressive. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> do you miss your band days? Be honest. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I miss a lot of it. You know, the camaraderie. I, I miss the, uh, the lifestyle, even though it was scuzzy to some degree. And I really haven't evolved that that far past it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's fun. I was thinking of this the other day when I, you know, when you're with your band and you really get along, everything becomes special. You know what I mean? You go to the gas station together, you go to McDonald's together, and it, it just takes on an aura of feeling like, you know, you're a part of something bigger than yourself. It's like a little family, yeah, a brotherhood. For sure. A fraternity, I guess. Uh, yeah, every and, office tries to talk yeah. about how they're a family, but we all have to go, go home and like detox from our office. Oh, yeah, exactly. Fans don't get the chance to go home and detox. They go home and live with each other. No, exactly. I mean, and that's that's why it doesn't last forever and they all break up eventually. But, you know, you can, for a long time, you can sustain that and you, and you will be really good friends for a long time, even if you end up hating each other. But Well, yeah, but you guys you, went to war together. Even you know, if you hate each other you know, still. Yeah, there is a love in the foundation. Yeah. That's what I miss the most about it. By the end of my fucking music career, I was sick of being on stage. I didn't, uh, I didn't want to play the songs anymore. And you know, it was just, you know, if we were more successful, it probably wouldn't have been like that. But because it just seemed like we were Groundhog Day, like playing a lot of the same kind of shows, the same, and it just didn't seem like it was going anywhere. And then you just start to think, oh my god, like. You know, a, a comedian just like repeating jokes and stuff like that and having to do it over and over. You know, I, I, it became a fucking burden. And, you know, you got to get out of it at that point. You don't want to start hating it, you know, so. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Do yeah. you feel like there's anything that's similar stand-up-wise, comedy-wise, to like the comedy lifestyle to the music lifestyle? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. There's big parallels. I mean, the, the difference there is my favorite thing about being in the band was was the, you know, was the hangouts and the, you know, and the, the communal kind of family aspect. And that just that doesn't really exist in comedy. You know, you create everything. Uh, well, you know what? It shouldn't be like that. You should. Well, that's why I like the business that I have now, because I get to hang out with people and we get to have a community together. And that, that was for sure. Yeah. So uh, there's a yeah, there's definite parallels. You, you have to constantly write. You have to constantly, uh, you know, you have to you know, be promoting yourself. I mean, it's almost the same exact thing. It's just mm -hmm. you're doing it, you know, under your own name as opposed to a band. It, I mean, it's correct. Yeah. I mean, it's really close. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you the giant difference that I think is needed in stand-up, but I understand why it's not at all. Yeah. And that's the breaking down of the drums. Yeah. Setting up and breaking down the drums makes people have to do the work instead of just only have the cake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, and so there's like, I, there's a lot to be said about when the drummer looks at you and like, hey, can you help? And you do, which doesn't happen in stand-up. When you're done, no. you just walk off stage and that's it. You're done. No, and so there's none yeah, of the humbling for another. Oh, no, that's so true. Yeah, you know, I have a joke about like how the drummer is just burdened with his equipment and <laughs> how it makes every aspect of his life harder. He can't quit the band. He can't, you know, <laughs> he needs help to like pull all this shit out of the rehearsal space when he wants, you know, it's just, uh, you can't get girls because he's busy loading the fucking van up. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, it's the not having a car being in a band, even though he's probably the one yeah. with the van. He's just yeah. like, no. And he has to have a van so he can move his drum set around where yeah. it needs to be. And a, a hatchback at a minimum, you know what I mean? It, yeah, it's it's a fucking, you know, that's one nice thing about stand-up. Yeah, it's it's super easy. You know, they all, the venue provides all the gear and you just kind of have to get yourself there, you know, thank God. That's but, true. Yeah, I've yeah. never shown up and been like, oh, I got to pull my stool out of the car. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> at yeah. worst, sometimes I bring a microphone and that fits in my pocket and you don't know if I bring it or not. No, exactly. It's very easy. And if it's an XLR, it'll, it takes one second to switch it out and no one would even notice. That'd be funny though. Like if you showed up with like a, a case that had a stool in it or something like that, <laughs> like open it up. Oh, great. Sort of, if Callahan oh, is listening to this, he's going to do that now. He'll buy a stool and set up himself. <laughs> the hard thing would be manufacturing a fucking case around it, but it's probably doable. <laughs> <laughs> it's i'm sure it is you can buy the cases that are just empty and you can do whatever you need with the foam inside <laughs> yeah exactly there you go oh my god can i talk to you about the creation of your business can we mention oh, your business sure sure yeah. so you own fourth wall and yes. there's yes. multiple locations around los angeles and it's the five dollars yes. for five minutes open mic uh, i'll also plug bomb shelter which is eight dollars for ten minutes if you want the deal but yeah <laughs> um, what I find really fascinating about this and you and the whole thing is this has become the industry standard in Los Angeles. <laughs> and oh, and when we first started, this wasn't the industry standard. And I think I met you at World Comedy. If you remember yeah, yeah. World Comedy oh, back yeah, in the day. Yeah. yeah and yeah, that was, I remember telling Aaron Haber at the time, a um, friend of mine started World Comedy, was only here for a year and left. And then he was like, would people pay $5 for five minutes? And I, at the time, there was only a couple places doing that. There was HaHa was already doing that at Marty's. And I was like, yeah, I think, I think they will. I think that's going to become regular. 
And he did it for a year and it didn't become regular at his venue. And then about a year after he left, Fourth Wall started and it became regular throughout the city immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say largely due to the good reputation of Fourth Wall, where people, everyone I talked to when that started and you started it up in North Hollywood was like, it's great. You pay the $5, you show up on time, you're there for only an hour, you watch everybody, and then you leave. So you're not in one place for four hours wondering what, right. when, where, why. Exactly. That's what you're paying for. Right. It's your time, your own time. It's not mm-hmm. just the station. Yeah, it's all those elements that you that you just stated, you know. Yeah, it's like, what is your time worth to you? Some people really like to just hang out, you know what I mean? And so it, it's not always the best fit for them, but some people just really need to improve and they just want to get up as many times as they can. And uh, some people are in between, but uh, you know. Yeah. yeah, but did I get any of that history wrong? I wanted to run that past you. That's what it is in my mind. Did that I get any very, of that history wrong? That sounds pretty close there, Aaron. Uh, there was an overlap between our existence in world comedy. Oh, okay. Um, people, yeah, yeah, there, which was uh, probably for about a year. But the thing is, uh, we didn't, are the like the what's known as like fourth wall culture and kind of like uh and the system the culture and the system working together oh you know the supportive and all that that started in 2018 the first week of january 2018 with mm-hmm. the the hourly micing system but we were open uh from uh fall no no sorry like literally this uh, like a year ago this month or it was uh, august 2016 is when we opened and we were just doing basically Marty's in the Valley is what it was. And that's what it was mm-hmm. for about one year straight. And then we started uh, slowly rolling into hourly. And then we went full hourly uh, in, uh, uh, in 18. Yeah. So there, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, yeah, that you're basically- so it just took me a year to catch on. Like that's where it, that's the part yeah. that I didn't loop in is it took me a bit before I caught on to what yeah. you were up to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to catch on myself, I feel like, almost. <laughs> it's constantly evolving, because, like, yeah, at the yeah. time, you know, you're just like, oh, here's the $5, five minutes, and here's the location. And now people are doing it, like, in parking lots or their backyard. It's like the $5, five minutes, and you're like, well, this isn't even a location. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also like, oh, I guess I, guess I really am paying for the, my time is only here for an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it, yeah, it, it, I guess it has changed things and, you know, I'll always be, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I can't believe that it happened and it, it caught on as a thing that it worked and, you know, I, I didn't, it, I was just copying Marty's when I first started out, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, but Marty's was just such a, a, a fucking shit show, you know what I mean? It, it was fun. Can you describe it, Marty for the people? I want to hear your Marty, perspective on Marty. Marty, was, Marty looked like Doug Stanhope's grandpa. That's what fucking Marty looks like. <laughs> mm-hmm. I meant Marty's location, not Marty's the human being. Oh, I like Marty a lot. Marty. I like Marty too. He's always been sweet to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Likewise, Marty's the location was just, it was like in a, a flex space in the borderline West Hollywood area. And it there was like one homeless guy one day and then that whole area just became like homeless central. And then it was just like an encampment out in front of this guy's poor, poor guy's business. I don't know. Marty was doing something else in there. Maybe like 
legal printing something with documents and paper. And then there was a stage in there in this dark room and uh, they had other little office cubby holes in there and stuff like that where you could, you know, do things. And they had a little patio, but it was just kind of a dark, uh, you know, low ceiling office, uh, office theater, theater office, you know? Yeah. And it was just weird. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah, would describe Marty's or the way Marty's yeah. would describe it is there's three stages and you pay $5 to get in. You can get up as many times as you want. And then the way Aaron describes it is I pay $5 and I get scared, do it once and leave. Um, and, every- but, <laughs> and like the outside, the patio for a while did have like a PA, but the neighbors complained enough that they got rid of the PA there. And there was the side room that never quite had like a host or anything. You could just get up and talk into the microphone if that was like a thing you had, a hurdle you had. Or like, I remember once sitting there with Josh Nasser and he w- wanted to work out a new bit. And he goes, hey, you don't mind if I run this bit past you like six times, do you? And I was like, go for it. And he did the same bit six times. And we like adjusted little bits of it in between every time. Yeah, that, that's, that's great, actually. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was actually like, oh, look, we're doing the work. Like, it felt like we were doing the work. But it to me became the location. I took all of my friends who said, hey, I want to try stand up. I go, perfect bring $5 and meet me at this address. And I would put them in at Marty's and I'd go, do you still want to do stand up?" And if they were like, yeah, then I'm like, good, you're in. And if they were like, no, that was awful. I'm like, you're not going to like stand up. <laughs> you're right. That is a much better description of that place than, than I have. I don't, the last set I did there was probably in 2013. I, I just don't, you know, it's just all a foggy memory to me now. Fucking, I, yeah. 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 No, I didn't go the last couple of years either. It was something yeah. I, I went a couple of times my first year. Yeah. And then after that, it became where I took friends that wanted to do it because people seemed to reach out to me to be like the gateway into stand up. Nice. And I, at that time, I had that. And now I'm like, I don't have a worst of that's Marty's bad anymore. Oh, yeah. So it's like, if I take them to fourth wall and it's a good show, they're like, this is great. And you're, you're like, right. <laughs> this isn't what I needed at all. I needed the pool to have cold water and say, jump in there. Do you like swimming? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because if you're going to like that, then yeah, if you can get through a, a fucking Marty session, dude, then you can pretty much get through, you know, yeah, a lot. You can get through anything for a while, you know, however long. Yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> everyone I ever took also got to see Jamar Neighbors fuck around and they all loved and became fans of Jamar Neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking great. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, a couple times a year, I'm like, hey, can I get Jamar's number? And you're like, I'm not Jamar's secretary. You just reach out to him on social media like anyone else. Exactly. Oh, my God. I haven't seen him in a long time. He's still going, yeah? Yeah, of course. Yeah, his name's on the comedy store wall now. Oh, he good, does good. regular sets there. Yeah. Buffer than ever. You know, like all the oh, good yeah, things. He's looking good. I got to go give him some shit. Yeah. Dude, he always looked so good. And it was weird because like the first time he was at the first open mic I ever did. <laughs> and after the first open mic, I was like, hey, do you want to ride home? And he goes, you want to give me a ride home? And I was like, I kind of do. Like I wanted to pick his brain because I could yeah, tell yeah, if he'd totally. been doing open mics for a while. I yeah. literally showed up to an open mic. It was awful saying, hey, I want to be an open micer like you guys. And they laughed at me because no one says it like that. Right. right. But you're also like, no, the expectation of knowing I'm going to be an open micer for a while is here. Right. And so I wanted to pick his brain. He was like, it's in Compton. It's a ways away. And I'm like, no, no, I'm doing this to talk to you for a little bit. And like, that was one of the questions like, why are you so buff? 
And he literally was just like, genetics? And I'm like, this isn't genetics. You have a bodybuilder body. Yeah, he has some big ass arms on him. And so does Chappelle, though. That's what's crazy. Yeah, but they also spend a lot of time in the gym, both of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we all saw what Chappelle looked like in 2001. Those arms were not there. Yeah, yeah. He's been pumping and he smokes like a chimney. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, they work out. They work out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You work out. You're another guy where I'm just like, hey, Joe's ripped. I uh, thank you, Aaron. I am in. Uh, I I enjoy working out. I'm in condition. I'm. I don't have. They are bigger dudes, though. You know those those other two guys. Yeah, no, like, they're bigger. You're not bigger. Like you, are, you look like a lead singer. You know, like. Yeah, thank you. That's what it is. You look like if you took your shirt off and had leather pants, everyone would be like, "Of course." Like, there's no question that this is where this was going. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, dude. Oh, man. Just thinking about uh, bringing up all that brings up uh, old memories of uh, open mics and all that stuff. Talking about Marty's and <laughs> Jamar Neighbors and all those guys. I remember when I my first mics were in 2010 or no, or not my first, but some of my first were in 2010. And it was Jade Cotapreta at the uh, I.O. West Andy Dick mm-hmm. Box. Did you ever go to that? Yeah. You oh, in- dude, I bombed there several times i don't think i ever did anything yeah. but bomb in there yeah 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 you know i was still doing guitar comedy at that time and the, you know i was gonna ask I you got, about that yeah i got good responses and stuff i you know anyways but it was just amazing that like a lot of those people really stuck with it like jeremiah Watkins was in there tony hinchcliffe used to come in jamar and then of course gerard carmichael used to go and they were all like newcomers too and they didn't have any style and they dressed mm-hmm like schlubby poor like t- young 20 year olds and it was just like that's how i remember those guys and now now they're all you know way beyond me in terms of like their you know media following and their credits and everything it's like wow you know yeah it's it's amazing it's 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 interesting to think about and i'm like ah. of course and I, I played music for like three more years i should have just started doing comedy full-time right then but i didn't do it so. well you're saying yeah. that but i also want to can I describe what I think your guitar comedy styling was? It's positive, so oh, don't don't get scared. You remember it? Yes. So oh I God. remember. I've never seen it. Yeah, no, I saw it for years. <laughs> Joe, Whoa. you're gonna be surprised. My memory. Whoa, so, bro. So I remember you. We show up with the acoustic guitar, but it was also like it had like the, like the electric headstock. Yeah. Right. It was a black guitar and you would wear it around and it wasn't like, Hey, this number is about a girl or whatever. You would do a joke and then you would like hit an E chord with it and be like, explode as to punctuate the end of the joke. Yes. 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 And so it, to me, wasn't a guitar act because I'm sorry if any guitar acts are listening. A lot of guitar acts are about B minus songs and they can't adjust to create the songs better or worse because the song is written and there's too much to have to do around it. I don't see all guitar songs seem to be the rough draft forever to where you had an act that you were building that you were able to pull the fat from and just use the guitar as a thing that would just give you the rhythm that you needed for a stand-up set, which is very different than what other guitar acts were doing. Wow. 
Aaron, no one ever makes that. Just go ahead. Say what you're going to say. I'm, I'm impressed. That is. Yeah. So if anybody watches Joe today, he has turned what he would have hit a guitar chord for just like a or just just whatever he needed for. He's turned it into a karate chop and says explode. But that's essentially exactly where the chords were. And you'd also sometimes say explode or like, I can't fucking take it or something like that. You would do <laughs> say something to punctuate it with the guitar, which is why when you stopped doing the guitar, I was like, why? This is the most original usage of a guitar and the most useful usage of a guitar I've seen that wasn't a crutch. Right. Oh, Aaron, thank you, dude. Like, I didn't know if anyone ever, you know, picked up on that. You know, that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's exactly what it was. It was, yeah, guitar. I did have some songs that were full songs and, you know, I would, you know, play, but never long, always yeah, short, don't. 90 60 minutes maximum. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that was my fucking, my inroad into stand up. I had to get comfortable with being on stage. But uh, the point of view, is the same as it was then the point of view that I have now it's just you know a fucking failed rock star trying to reacclimate to regular society you know what I mean yeah and that was my jumping off point with the and it doesn't matter you know I mean I and I still believe to this day that you know all comedy is music you know all spoken mm-hmm. language is really music when you break it down um and uh yeah you know that that was such a good breakdown I, you're the only person that's ever said that back to me you know and we've never talked about this that was that, that, no that's almost exactly what you know i would i would hire you to write my bio <laughs> <Be> like, this <laughs> please explain uh, this <laughs> almost everybody yeah. i talk to on this thing is amazed that i can remember them earlier than a month ago no that's that's insane dude i, I mean there are people that i've known for years that had no idea i ever had a guitar no no idea they've been coming to fourth ball since the beginning and they you know it's fuck that's nuts dude that's can crazy. i give my example of that is that sure. i have a half sleeve of tattoos that everyone sees and every day okay. when i go to an open mic one person will be like oh cool did you get when did you get those or like you got those over pandemic and for anyone listening i haven't gotten one tattoo since i started stand-up if you've ever <laughs> approached me about any new tattoo that's on you weirdest thing about doing this outro for Joe is I'm promoting his open mics now. <laughs> That's Joe Menente. I've known Joe for a long time, clearly. Love him. Uh, he, we did... I tried to get him to dive a little deeper into starting the open mics and this business venture that he did that many people have copied and that's not nothing wrong with that. Uh, people have copied it and now like make successful livings running open mics, which is crazy to me. But I understand it where it's just like, oh, look, if you rent out a venue and you just, if it's cheap enough and then you do the right thing with the open mics, people will come and then you, it's now your job to run them and you don't have to go out there and and do 
the regular office temp stuff that everybody hates. You know, like it's it's a weird blessing and curse because all open mics have seemed to become $5. But at the same time, like I said, you're paying for your time back because before that, before these open mics showed up, I remember, especially Mondays, you'd go to four open mics and you'd get up at one. You know, like, and it would be a four-hour wait list, but two hours of it was actually going to be the open mic. And so you're like, oh, I hope I get on. Which is why they would do it out of a bucket. So that way, because if you announce which half of the audience is going to get up, the other half would leave. Because of course they would. And so it was a bucket and you felt kidnapped for four hours to do three minutes. You know, because it was also so many people there that you would only get less time. So I was like, hey, we'll give you a little bit more time. You have to pay, but... You will get up, and it is only an hour of your life. It's an interesting evolution um, that I've watched happen in the open mics over here because when I first started, only one place was charging $5, and it was the Ha Ha Cafe, and people would protest it for the $5 alone. And now it's become the industry standard, and people are like, all right, fine, I guess I'll deal. But Joe was, I mean, we talked about it. He wasn't the first guy to nail it. But he was the first guy to nail it. I mean, Marty did it for a long time, but Marty's felt weird, you know? Like, Joe's feels like an open mic that you can come and go from, and it doesn't feel like you're walking into someone's house the way that Marty's did. And now, you know, people are doing it in their backyards, and they're doing it in parking lots, and they're just doing it everywhere. And it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to watch the whole thing progress. Happy to have Joe on. You can go to Joe's Open Mics at 4th Wall TV. At 4th Wall TV on Instagram is where you'll find pictures of the mics and the shows that he does at the, at the location. And then, of course, there is a sign-up for his North Hollywood, his Hollywood, and the Bomb Shelter, his new Hollywood location, that does 10-minute open mics, which I like. As somebody who's been doing it for 10 years, I like being able to stretch my legs a little more in a set. But also, you're watching people in, uh, with under a year of experience just try to experience a 10-minute set for the first time, which I wish I could have done that as an open mic. I did that as a show. My first $10 experience was, this is going to be terrifying. I was five minutes, and then every now and then I'd get a seven-minute set, and I'd be like, oh, I got through that, and I would be so happy I got through the seven-minute set. And then someone paid me $150 to do 15 minutes, and I was terrified. If I was able to do the 10-minute sets, I wouldn't be as terrified. So... I'm happy that's out there, too. That's a lot of open mic talk, but I also feel like a lot of local people who do open mics still listen to this podcast. So there you go. Especially Joe's. You know, like, Joe's, I I don't want to call it following. I mean, it's almost friends, but the community. Joe's community. Um, I mean, that's it's a heavy open mic community. It's He owns three open mics in town. How could it not be? And... Uh, So check out his stuff. Check out his open mics. I can't remember the name of the movie he's in. It might even be called Open Micers. He did a movie during the pandemic. The trailer came out. Great actor. Never would... I mean, it makes sense when you see it, but you don't know which of your friends are going to be great or bad actors. Joe's a great actor. So there we go. Joe Manente at Fourth Wall TV. That's what we have for him here. I feel like most of the interview is just me explaining what... my perspective of him is and but he seemed to rather enjoy it so that worked out really well uh next week i have a married couple i love i love talking to couples i just do and lance paulin and misha mccourtney just got married a couple weeks ago and they also just a couple weeks before they got married started 
a podcast called Heavy Bangs, which listening to Lance just sort of freeform talk is very funny and entertaining, and then getting Misha to, to just like try to wrangle him back down to reality because he gets lost in his thoughts is very funny to me. It's as funny as when my dad got remarried. He, uh, he had these... I mean, we got new grandparents, essentially. And watching them bicker was one of my life joys. I would watch them bicker, and it was so funny to me. It was like the best comedy duo. And I feel like Lance and Misha have that kind of chemistry, where you're watching them bicker. It's so funny. You know that they both kind of have stakes in it, but you also know that the foundation of love is there. And so it's great. Because, you know, like, I'm not going to watch them break up on my podcast. I'm just going to watch Misha go, Lance, explain that further. You know, like, it's, and it's great. So you have that to look forward to. I'm excited to share that. So Lance and Misha from Heavy Bangs, up next. Thank you for listening, and thank you for putting up with me. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, whether I find a place in this world or never belong, I've got to be me.